Tonight we will continue our our study in Colossians. Colossians chapter 1. We come to verse 24 and the name of the message is message is rejoicing in sufferings. Rejoicing in sufferings. Verse 24 is where our text is. Who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind the, the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. Who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. Now we come to this verse tonight after looking last week at how God's people who are redeemed by the precious blood of Christ will one day be presented holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sights. It's a marvel of grace, isn't it? It's a marvel that sinners by birth, nature, and choice will be presented holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. What a marvel. What a marvel of sovereign grace. And we also saw, though, that they, they remain in the faith, right? Look, at if you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and we looked at how that means sedentary, right? Settled means sedentary. You don't move. And that God's people are not moved from Christ. And, and it's not because of our strength, is it? It's because he keeps us, right? He keeps us. But we looked at preservation and perseverance, didn't we? Both of those. Preservation is where God keeps us and perseverance is where we keep looking to Christ. We keep looking to him, but it's all by his power. All by his power. We're grounded and settled and not moved away from the hope of the gospel. And they remain fixed and focused upon Christ. Fixed and focused upon Christ. Through sufferings, through trials, and through tribulations. And God's people, as I said, are sinners saved by grace, right? We struggle just like everyone else. Just like everyone else. We struggle the same way as anyone who's lost struggles. But we have hope. We have hope, which is Christ Jesus, our Lord. And we are kept by the power of God. And when we're kept, we cling. <laughs> we cling. We cling to Christ and him alone. He's our strength. He's our comfort. He's everything to the believer. Everything. Everything. Now this verse tonight has perplexed a lot of folks as I was reading through the different commentators and stuff. This verse is a verse that's perplexed some commentators over the years and perplexed some people over the years. Especially the portion that says this. And fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake. Now before we start the study tonight. Uh, Paul is in no way here telling the Colossians. right? Telling the Colossian believers that the death of Christ. The work which he was accomplished. That he did accomplish. Paul is in no way telling them that it was lacking. In no way. It wasn't lacking in any way. Not at all. Because the Lord Jesus Christ right, accomplished salvation for us. He accomplished salvation for us. For his people on Calvary's tree. And there's nothing to be added to that work at all. 
If you add something to it, it's no longer grace. It's no longer grace. So we preach what Christ has accomplished. We preach Christ and him crucified, right? And we preach that he is a, a, a successful savior of his people. He has accomplished salvation for his people. And as I said, if you take Christ away from the gospel or out of the gospel, or if you add any of man's works, this isn't good news then, is it? There's no good news. Because Christ is the gospel. It's all about him. It's all about him. And if you take Christ out of it or add any works, there's only condemnation for sinner. There's no hope. But the believer only hopes in Christ. We only hope in him. There was a time when we used to hope in ourselves. But now we only hope in Christ, in him alone. We have found a ransom. (laughs) And it's in Christ to pay for all of our sins. So our hope is based upon what our great, majestic, sovereign God has done for us. And he is a great, and he is a majestic, and he is a sovereign God. Oh, and he left the glories of heaven to die for his people upon the cross. To accomplish for them what we could never accomplish ourselves. I ask you, is this not mercy? Is this not plenteous mercy? Oh, God became a man, the man Christ Jesus, and he wrought out salvation for his people upon the cross. And beloved, he did it alone. He did it alone. So tonight's verse is not saying we add to that work, as that could not be. As his work is perfect, and it's precious, and it's finished. He lived the perfect life in the place of his people. He died the perfect lamb of God before God's justice. And beloved, he rose again from the dead, proving that God was satisfied with that sacrifice. His work is perfect. His redemptive work is perfect. And God, the Holy Spirit, takes these wonderful God-honoring truths, right? These wonderful God-honoring truths and reveals them to his elect through the preaching of his word. Christ has done it all. So Paul, again, is in no way stating that we add anything to the sufferings of Christ as he has accomplished salvation for his people by himself. So with that in mind, that's our introduction. Let's look at verse 24 then. And I wanted to clarify that because of the confusion that's come about when people look at this verse sometimes in the past. Who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. Now, no one enjoys suffering, right? I don't know anyone who enjoys suffering. (laughs) None of us like it. None of us like it. And we don't seek it out either, do we? We don't seek it out. So Paul's not saying that he sought out suffering. He's not saying that. He's saying he he rejoiced in the fact that he was counted worthy to suffer for Christ. He he was counted worthy. Who now rejoice in my sufferings for you, Scripture declares. Now I know a young man who was persecuted by his father. By his father and a boarder who lived at that, that house. After the young man confessed Christ. 
And each night as the family sat down to eat, the young man would just bow his head and give thanks to God for the food that was before. A thing that he never used to do before he confessed Christ. And he didn't require or ask anyone else. He didn't ask everyone to pray for their food. And neither was he trying to draw attention to himself. But he just thanked God for the provision that the Lord had given him out of a grateful heart. And from that moment that he prayed, the tirade would start from his father, who was an unbeliever. And then the border would join in with the father. And the border would joyfully join in to berate the young man about his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the young man would eat his food. And as he was eating, he would pray for his dad and for the border, who was also a young man. And he prayed God would save them if it was his will. And to forgive them for what they were doing. And this happened almost every night for six months. Almost every night for six months. The six months that he lived with his parents until he moved out and got himself his own place to stay. Now that young man did not seek out to be berated. He didn't seek it out. He didn't seek it out. But he looked at that. What occurred is nothing compared to what Christ had suffered for him. And he didn't seek it out though. And I know that this often happens in believers' life. With the situation being different to each believer. Some may find persecution with family. Some may find persecution with friends. Some may find persecution with co-workers. But it's still suffering for our faith, isn't it? It still is. It's still suffering for our faith in Christ Jesus. And may God give us grace and strength during those times. Because it's not easy. It's not easy at all. Turn, if you would, to 2 Thessalonians. Now, Paul, in the same way, he did not seek out to suffer. He didn't seek it out. What was he doing? He was preaching the gospel of Christ, wasn't he? He was just preaching the gospel. and He was being persecuted. We'll look later on in the message. We'll look at what he suffered through. He lists a few things but we'll look at that later. But I'd like to look at Second Thessalonians chapter 1. Verses 1, or 3 to, 3 to 9. Now Paul, again, he did not seek out to suffer. But he did rejoice in the fact that he was counted worthy to suffer these things. Look at Second Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 3 to 9. We are bound to give thank. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly. And the charity of every one of you, which is love, all toward each other abounds. So that we ourselves glory in you, in the churches of God, for your patience and faith, in all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure. 
which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God, for which ye also suffer. See, our king suffered, didn't he? So we should, we should, we should know that we're going to suffer. Persecution. Seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. And to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. So Paul suffered persecution. Turn, if you would, to Second Corinthians chapter 7, verse 4. Paul suffered heavy persecution at the hands of self-righteous false religionists who hated the gospel of Christ. They hated the gospel of Christ. But Paul was a soldier of Christ. He's a soldier of Christ. And he rejoiced in the appointed sufferings because they were appointed. The appointed sufferings God had ordained for him. He rejoiced. His joy and his strength through them all was the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at 2 Corinthians 7, 4. Great is my boldness of speech towards you. Great is my glorying of you. I am filled with comfort. I am exceedingly joyful in all our tribulation. So Paul, Paul was joyful in persecutions. He was joyful in tribulations. As I said, it's not natural. We don't enjoy suffering, do we? But he... The joy of the Lord was his strength. And so this is why when we go through through trouble and trials, and we all do, every one of us, they may be all different, right? But that's why we have to look to Christ. We have to. We have to. I, I have to continuously look to my king, look to our king, because otherwise I'd be buried under it. But he keeps us, doesn't he? What a merciful God. And Paul was a soldier. And I remember Brother Donnie telling me, you know, sometimes as a soldier you get knife wounds. And sometimes you get gunshot wounds. And we do. We do. And they hurt. They hurt. But we keep looking to Christ, don't we? We keep looking to him. Knowing that this suffering is is nothing compared to the glory that we'll have with our king when we're with him. Oh, but it doesn't seem like that when we're going through it. It's hard. It's hard. So may God give us grace and strength to make it through our, our sufferings. But remember, they're appointed by God for us. And he gives us joy and strength to make it through them all. And think of this, beloved. Paul knew when he was going through suffering and trials and tribulations... And I need to remember this. He knew that he was right where his sovereign almighty God wanted him to be. Right where he wanted him to be. Oh, when he was a prisoner, he was right where God wanted him to be. And when he was free, he was right where God wanted him to be. And we can rest in that. We can rest in the fact that our king is with us all the time. And we'll see that later on too as we go in the message. He never leave his people. 
He's with us. No matter what we go through, He's with us. He's with us. And we as God's children need to remind ourselves of this when we're going through various sufferings for our faith in Christ. We need to remind ourselves that Jesus Christ is upon the throne right now. Right now. When we go through something, let us remind ourselves the Lord is on the throne. He's on the throne. And if you're one of His, He loves you. (laughs) He's going to watch over you. He's going to keep you. And He'll never leave you. Never. What comfort for the believer. What comfort for the believer. And He's on the throne also. And He's working all things according to His will. According to His will. And oh Lord, help me. Help me to rest in this wonderful truth that you're working all things out in my life and in the life of every believer and in the world. However he's pleased. However he's pleased. He's working all things after what? The counsel of his own will. And this can give us joy in our sufferings. And I, I, Paul drew from that well. He drew from that well. You can tell by his writings. He drew from the well the fact that God was absolutely sovereign. Especially in Ephesians when he says he worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. He's drawn from that well, beloved. Oh, he's resting, trusting, even though all around him is a storm. And he's resting in Christ. And we will see some of the things he went through. And for him to make this statement, it's incredible. But he can only do it by the joy of the Lord and by the strength of the Lord. And this can give us, in our sufferings, peace and rest. And we can repose in our wonderful, merciful Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Paul suffered for preaching the gospel. And he rejoiced in that fact. He rejoiced. And this is true of all gospel preachers. Turn, if you would, to Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5. And I'm just going to read the last two, uh, verse 41 and 42. But if you want in your own time, you can read what happened there. It's incredible. They were being persecuted for preaching the gospel. And I'm just going to read the verse 41 and 42 and look at this God's preachers here and they departed from the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name and daily in the temple and in every house they ceased not to teach and preach Christ they told him don't you go out there and do that and they just went out there and did it (laughs) they weren't afraid of what man would do for them they weren't they preached Christ and so God's preachers are going to go through suffering and tribulation and trial and Paul knew, though, that his sufferings were not only for the glory, uh, for the glory of his sovereign God, or, or were not only for his good, but were for the glory of his sovereign God, the Lord Jesus Christ. And let each of us—it's not just God's preachers who get persecuted for the gospel. We all do. We all do. And let us draw from that well again that God is sovereign. He's our King. He's upon the throne, and it's all working out for his glory.
Look at the rest of the text now. Our text continues. Who now rejoice in my sufferings for you. So Paul, and turn if you would to 2 Corinthians. We are going to see here what Paul went through. 2 Corinthians. He rejoiced in his suffering for the body's sake. For the body of Christ. He rejoiced in his sufferings. For the body's sake, the church, which Christ has purchased with his own precious blood. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And we'll look at verses 24 to 33. He's going to tell us a little bit here of what he suffered through. Of the Jews, verse 24. Of the Jews, five times I received I forty stripes, save one. Thirty-nine stripes, right? Five times, beloved. And, and, and they, that, oh my goodness. Thrice I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck a night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeyings often in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils by mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness. My goodness. Keep in grace. Keep in grace, beloved. God, who she saves, he keeps. In perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. He, we know from his epistles he prayed for the churches. Who is weak, and I am not weak. Who is offended, and I burn not. If I, if I must needs glory, I will glory of the things which concern mine infirmities. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is blessed forevermore, knoweth that I lie not. In Damascus, the governor, under Artyrus, the king, kept the city of Damascus with a garrison and desired to apprehend me. And through a window in the basket I was let down by wall and escaped his hands. My goodness. All because he preached the gospel of God's free and sovereign grace. Now think of this. Think of others who have gone through suffering. Think of others through the years that you know who have gone through suffering, whether it be trial or tribulation. And when you see them go through it, and you see the Lord give them strength and give them grace, are you not encouraged? Are you not encouraged? Oh, our God, he never, never leaves his people. Never leaves his people. And also, when we go through things, then we are able to comfort those who are going through the same thing as what we went through. Because we know what they're going through. We know. And Paul was a member of the body of Christ. He was a called out one, beloved. As is every one of God's elect. The ecclesia. A called out one. The church is called the ecclesia. Called out ones. Granted faith to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And he loved God's people. And he was dedicated to ministering to them. 
when he wasn't in prison, he was preaching and teaching the word of God in those areas where the Lord had opened doors for him to minister. And when he was in prison, he was preaching to those who were guarding him (laughs) and writing epistles to God's saints for the eternal good of those who were members of the body of Christ. And we have some of those, don't we? We have one here tonight before us that we've been studying. So he looked at all that he went through. All that he went through for his good and for the glory of God. For the furtherance of the gospel. Turn if you would to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. He looked, he looked at it all for the furtherance of the gospel. Look at Philippians chapter 1 verses 12 to 14. But I would, you should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. Remember that list we read? Of all those things he went through. And he's saying, all these things happen for the furtherance of the gospel. Could you see do you see why he had why he rejoiced in his sufferings? So that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all the other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord, see the brethren in the Lord seeing this, right? Waxing confident by my bonds are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So all those things he was going through, others were drawing from the well of God's mercy and seeing God has sustained him. It's all for the furtherance of the gospel. And many of the brethren of the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So with this in mind, let us continue in our verse. And now we'll hit that section. And fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake. Now again, as we looked at in the introduction, Paul is in no way telling them that their sufferings that the sufferings that he and other Christians are going through have anything to do with that which Christ accomplished upon the cross. Paul is not saying here that the sufferings of Christ were incomplete or that the sufferings of his people were to make up for a deficiency or that his sacrifice was lacking in any way. Paul is not saying that. Far from that... Far from that, because only the Lord Jesus Christ tread the winepress of the wrath of God alone. The winepress of the wrath of God alone. There was no one else with him. And think of this. I was talking to Sister Carol, and she called me today, and we were talking, and I said, I remember Brother Henry saying that God forsook God on the cross. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? So that we would never be forsaken. What love. What mercy. And the Lord Jesus Christ so perfectly finished and completed the whole work of redemption by the offering of himself that it is said he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. He is finished. He has accomplished redemption for his people by the shedding 
of his own precious blood. But our text says, And fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake. Turn, if you would, to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 5-7. to 7. Now we as believers can find great comfort in these precious words here. And fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake. We can find great comfort in these precious words of Paul as we go through sufferings in various forms. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 5-7. to 7. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. And whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings, which we also suffer, or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that as ye are partakers of the sufferings, so shall ye also be, or so shall ye be also of the consolation. Now, beloved of God, there is nothing behind as to the atoning sacrifice of the sufferings of Christ. But there is much yet to be endured in order that all the elect may be brought to Christ. Some must suffer through the labors in preaching the gospel and be persecuted for it and suffer for preaching the gospel. As we've seen, Paul went through that, right? Countless times in the New Testament. Others may have to bear reproach for the truth's sake, but Paul was glad to suffer in his mortal body for the sake of of Christ's church, which is his mystical body, which is spoken of at the latter part of the verse that we're looking at. And fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake. Now let us think on this, and what comfort we can glean here. What comfort we can glean here from this verse. We know that the Lord Jesus Christ suffered in his own person fully and completely, right? When as a sacrifice for sin, he died in the sinner's place. When he died in the place of his people on Calvary's tree. He died the, the just for the unjust, right? To, to bring us to God. And the sufferings of Christ as our substitute and as our sacrifice were full. And they have satisfied God's demands. But let us glean here in this verse, in the latter part of this verse, the union between Christ and his church. When the body is persecuted, right, the head knows it and the head feels it, right? Think about this. Have you ever accidentally hit your finger with a hammer? It hurts. And you know it right away, don't you? You know it right away. Them nerves, they just send up that signal right to the head, right? <laughs> and then we're thinking and saying stuff we ought not to think and say probably sometimes, right? But it hurts, though, doesn't it? It hurts. It hurts, and your finger lets your head know that it's being hit. And we know we've hit our finger. Not just because we saw it, right? <laughs> because uh, that's usually what happens. But because now we feel it, right? We feel it. Well, turn, if you would, to Acts chapter 9 and look at this. And we've looked at this many times, but I, I want to bring this up here. And then put your finger in Romans chapter 12. Because we're going to look at how the Christian doesn't seek vengeance for those who persecute him. But look at Acts chapter 9 first, verses 4 and 5. 
So when Paul was persecuting Christians, he was persecuting Christ, right? Acts 9, verses 4 and 5. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Who was Saul persecuting? Christians. Believers. The body. Same when that hammer hits that finger, right? The head goes, oh man, that hurts. Right? He knows. He's feeling the pain, right, that they're, that they're going through. Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Me. The, the head that the, that the body's attached to. And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. So what... When we go through sufferings, the Lord's there with us. He's there with us. So Paul could glean comfort such as we can when we go through sufferings. Paul went through those sufferings. All those things were beaten with, beaten 39 stripes five times, shipwrecked, naked, naked without food, right? But he knew all things, these things were happening for the furtherance of the gospel. And that the Lord was with him. And that he'd never leave him, nor forsake him. And the believers never sought vengeance on those who were persecuting them. As Christ will avenge his people. Look at Romans chapter 12, verses 19 and 20. Christ will avenge his people. And think of this in light of the great white judgment throne, right? He will avenge his people. We do not seek vengeance but vengeance is the Lord's. Look at Romans chapter 12, verses 19 and 20. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirsts, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. So let us, beloved, cherish the fact. Cherish the fact that no matter what we go through, no matter what trial comes our way, no matter what suffering comes our way, the Lord is with His people. He's with His people. He's with His people. And He measures out, right? He measures out our trials. And He measures out our tribulations. And He bears part with you and all. And He will carry carry you through it all, through all your sufferings. Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And one day, all the sufferings will be over for the believer. Robert Hawker says this, the same interest that Jesus felt in the persecution of Saul over his afflicted ones, when he said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? When he called from heaven to restrain I, I, I love how he said this. When he called from heaven to restrain Saul's rage. Restraining grace of God. And said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? The same interest he feels in every minute event with which his redeemed are exercised now. He's with his people now. If you're going through something, he knows. He's with you. He's with you. 
Oh, may we keep this in remembrance when we're going through a trial or suffering through a situation. And it may be life. It may be health. It may be, it, it may be because of our faith in Christ. May we be reminded of our oneness with Christ. Our oneness with Him. He's the head. And we're the body. And the head feels what the body goes through. What an intimate connection. Do you see how the vine and the branches too? It's the same thing. We can look at any tree out here and they have the same intimate connection. They receive their life from the vine, from the trunk. And it goes out to the branches and they, they have leaves and fruit and it's incredible. It's right before us every day. Every day. Oh, we derive all our strength from Christ, don't we? In Him alone. All from Him. So let us be reminded of our oneness with Christ as He is the head and we are the body. Let us ponder this, beloved. When we suffer for His sake, too, it proves that we are His. When we suffer for His sake, it proves that we're His. Because if we weren't His, we wouldn't be suffering. (laughs) Turn, if you would, to Isaiah chapter 63, verses 8 and 9. The afflictions and the sufferings prove our faith. And what do they do, beloved? They prove our faith, right? Because we cling to Christ. We don't run off. We cling to Him. Because He's our strength. He's our hope. He's everything for us. Look at this in Isaiah chapter 63, verses 8 and 9. Isaiah 63, verses 8 and 9. The afflictions, and think of this again, the afflictions and the sufferings prove our faith as we cling to Christ and we will go nowhere else. Look at this. Verse 8, For he said, Surely they are my people. Oh, may we let that sink in, eh? Surely they are my people. Children that will not lie, so he was their Savior. In all their afflictions he was afflicted. In the angels of his presence and the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and in his pity he redeemed them. And he bare them and carried them all the days of old. What a wonderful, merciful, loving Savior is Jesus Christ our Lord. May the Lord